0: Hello, um, this is Robert Yoho from Surviving Healthcare Podcast, and I am delighted to have Dr. Greg Dennis on my uh, podcast. He uh, has put together a podcast that I actually follow, like uh, some people used to follow The Grateful Dead. And he is about 80% good, 50% fantastic. And that's about as good as you can ever get for a podcast. Um, So, Greg, you're in your mid-40s, correct? Uh, 48, so 48, kind of getting towards okay. the end of it. <laughs> and uh, well, let's hope it's not the end very soon because I'm 68. So uh, tell us the history of your practice and uh, just uh,
1: tell the listeners your website and describe what you offer. <clears throat> You bet. Uh, appreciate you having me on, and, and uh, I've appreciated uh, you being on my podcast, and um, I know that, that those episodes have done very well, so um, pre- appreciate uh, being here. So, um, yeah, so I'm a family doctor, and I'll, I'll try to be um, not too long-winded here, but um, I started, like most family doctors, in corporate medicine and uh, doing the traditional, quote, standard of care. And I even like most doctors, when somebody would question that, I would say, oh, I, I practice the quote, uh, you know, evidence-based medicine and never really looked outside that box, even though I've always been into fitness myself, but as a practitioner, never really, um, you know, took that in, into the way that I practice. And so uh, years went by, and and I did the standard of care, um, and I kind of had this epiphany one day that you know what my patients aren't really getting any better, um, even though their numbers looked better, their cholesterol looked better, their A one C looked better, but they were still fat, they still had arthritis, <clears throat> they were still dying of heart disease and strokes, uh, and they were just you know miserable people, and so I just thought to myself, there's there's got to be a better way, and so I just kind of took a deep dive, looking at things, and and the more that I did that, the more that I realized that, um, I think modern medicine uh, or or Western medicine had gotten it wrong, and uh, I'll take cholesterol for instance. I started looking into cholesterol and and realizing I just took a deep dive in it, and I realized you know that's that goes against kind of what I was taught, and so uh, I you know, that made me think, well, what else is out there that, you know, is, is kind of a lie or that, that we've been misled on. And so the more I kept going down that path, the more I realized how our quote standard of care has missed the mark. And so, um, I began to just take a deep dive in learning about nutrition, um, you know, wellness and how to get people better without pharmaceutical medications. Um, now, I'm not anti-medication. Some of them certainly have their place, but they, they shouldn't be, you know, the, the go-to. And I realized that I can reverse type 2 diabetes many times and, you know, that I can treat people's, uh, you know, a lot of autoimmune disease by some nutritional tweaks. And so uh, fast forward several years later, I, I realized I was really not a fit anymore in the, the typical corporate medicine world. And luckily I had a place to go because my wife had already started a private practice uh, where she did not take insurance. It was just a membership based model of care called direct primary care. Uh, And so it it was real easy for me just to walk into that. And so now getting away from corporate medicine, we can practice the way we want to, we have more time to spend with patients so we can uh, treat the underlying cause and not just, uh, you know, doling out medication and spending five, five minutes with, uh, with a patient. Uh, and, and so we really, uh, focus on wellness and nutrition and fasting and all these things and hormone optimization. Uh, and, and so that's uh, what I'm doing now and absolutely loving it. Great introduction. I forgot our, uh, standard
0: disclaimer, which is that, um, you know, this is for informational purposes, it's general overview, it's not to be taken as uh, individual medical care. And if you have a problem, you got to see a licensed practitioner like Greg. Um, So uh, the way I express what you just said is everything that I ever learned, I found was a lie. I mean, it's freaking horrible. The literature has been ruined, I mean, I see myself as a combination of Winnie the Pooh and Rip Van Winkle, right? I woke up after many, many years, and Winnie the Pooh, as you may recall, was a children's fable about uh, an animal that went around the circle three or four times before he, he, he understood what was going on, long after the reader, who's a little kid, understands what's going on. So, it, I mean, it took me years of studying, it sounds like you, you did too, and you, you had the same experience. And what do you view as the worst medical evil going on today? Oh, wow. (laughs) That's a hard thing to answer.
1: Well, I'm probably going to have to say uh, big pharma. And I know that that's not, that's a broad answer, but as I mean, you know, you're kind of more of the expert on this than I am, but uh, obviously big pharma's hand is in everything. Um, And, and You know, they're in bed with the uh, governing organizations, you know, the American Diabetes Association, American Heart Association, uh, even our our medical journals that so many doctors live and die on, you know, practicing their, quote, evidence-based medicine. And so um, it's, yeah, I would have to say big pharma.
0: Yeah, they're total whores. And I, you, you can listen to my other podcasts or Greg's other podcast to find out how uh, all about it. Now, Greg's, uh, I forgot to mention, his is F-I-T-R-X. And that's the name of the thing. You can find that on Buzzsprout or on any of the other platforms such as Apple. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I really liked uh, your, your descriptions. Uh, you, you guys, see, I'm from the Midwest also. And I had a fantasy when I was a little kid that I would be just like an Indian brave. And when I when I listened to you, your description of jumping in a uh, 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 cold swimming pool, uh, it sounded exactly like that. And then, you know, your sauna, suffering in a sauna and then suffering in a uh, swimming pool uh, in the middle of the winter for a few minutes uh, mm-hmm. to stimulate your metabolism and hope you know, hope you, uh, improve your health. I mean, it's brilliant. And I, I related to it very, very closely. So, um, study Greg's, um, podcasts, they are tremendous and there, there are many fields covered and th- these things are considered alternative, but as I said, 80% of these things are, are well worth your time. So the main thing I want to focus on though, is the keto, the fasting, the carnivore, the paleo, the intermittent, you know, the intermittent fasting. And, uh, I want, uh, to get your take on the, this field in general, the low carb stuff, uh, before we dive into your individual guests, sorry about the dive into that's a boomer. <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's a, it's a
1: young, young person's, uh, metaphor. So, you know, nutrition is, is probably Um, Even among professionals, I I think it's one of the the more contentious uh, subjects out there. And one of the reasons for that is there's not a lot of really good, um, you know, double-blinded randomized control studies. Um, And I'm more of a a meat eater. And so people will say, I'll use the example of, uh, you know, well, people say, well, red meat causes cancer. Well, well, the problem is these studies are all just epidemiological studies, yeah, Yeah, observational. And, and there's so many variables involved in that. And, and as you know, people who eat more red meat are also going to eat more French fries and diet Cokes with the red meat. And, and those people also are uh, a higher percentage of them smoke and drink more alcohol. And so it's hard to uh, get rid of all those variables. And so for that reason, it's, it's just very hard to determine okay, what, what is the best diet out there? And so, uh, and, and I think it's also highly individualized. Um, but I, I will say there's definitely some, uh, you know, some universal, uh, you know, applications here in that we, um, since the, uh, the low carb or excuse me, the high carb, low fat seen started uh, many many years ago um, you can see the rise in obesity and insulin resistance and diabetes and cancer and autoimmune disease and just about everything and so i tell people all the time you know if you want to if you want to keep doing all these recommendations you're going to look like everybody else so look around it's probably a little worse here in the midwest than it is out there but i mean we're, we're one of oh, the it's most pretty obese. bad out here too <laughs> we're, we're here in oklahoma we're, we're one of the most obese uh uh you know, people in America. And so, you know, I, I tell people if, if that's what you're going to be like, if you do what everybody else is doing. So if you want to do something, if, if you don't want to be like that, you got to do something different. And so um, I, I think some of the things most experts can agree on is that uh, sugars, processed foods, processed carbohydrates um, are bad for you. Uh, and so if we can, if we can take all that out, which just about anybody can benefit from that. Then you can, I think, get into the more specifics of, well, do you need more protein? Do you need more fat? Um, You know, should, should somebody eat more, more carnivore, uh, you know, versus vegetarian, which I would discourage. Um, And, and, but we can begin to have those conversations. But I think the first step is realizing these processed foods are bad. Get rid of those. All these sugars are bad. Um, Diet sodas are bad. Um, Vegetable oils are bad. I mean, those are all pretty, uh, you know, universally, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, recommended. And so I I don't know if I answered your question there, but no, that was good. Um, John Ioannidis. And I think
0: I pronounced that properly. Who's the smartest guy in the room. Clearly he said that the nutritional studies are all garbage. Now that those are my words, not his, but he, he, he he's an academic. So he couches it in, in, uh, uh, better terms. And then the thing that I would emphasize for our listeners is it's not calories in calories out and Absolutely. cholesterol is not the bad guy. The original studies were basically disproven. And now I don't even think it's a reasonable, you know, we we're forced to, um, uh, check it because the patients expect it, but it's not, it's not the most robust uh, uh, thing to use as a marker. Um, waist circumference is probably way better. And uh, so uh, we've got this charming guest of yours who wrote this book called the big fat surprise named Nina Teicholz. Teicholz, uh-huh. Yeah, fantastic And yep. uh-huh. Uh-huh. she, she told us about uh, how one person and one study um, sort of blue-pilled the whole country on this cholesterol nonsense in eisenhower's time when he had an mi and everyone was focused on making sure eisenhower didn't die and started this saturated fat thing and where the it seems as if to me that the saturated fats have been um completely vindicated and in fact it's what you should eat, eat more of than anything else um so what's your feeling about that and tell us more about nina
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. Nina's fantastic. She's definitely well, well researched, um, very well respected uh, in, in kind of the low carb community, even talking uh, among other physicians. She has a group uh, that she started, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Nutrition Uh, Coalition. That's it. Coalition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so they're using that to try to um, change some of these standards that are out there. Um, They're, they're slow, very slowly making waves, but, um, they are, uh, at least one group that's, that's trying to get in there to change these recommendations. Um, but uh, couldn't agree more. I mean, saturated fat is, is not the enemy and uh, the, a good majority of our calories should be coming from saturated fat. And I even had one guest tell me that behind the scenes, um, the American Heart Association has admitted that that truth, that you know, they know that they got it wrong. But they will never come out and say that because they're afraid they're gonna lose all credibility. Um, no, that's it,
0: not it. The, the reason why they're not gonna come out and say it is their their three-quarters of a billion dollar budget comes from pharmaceutical companies and food industry well, and they're, too, yeah. they're basically they claim they're supported by uh, individuals but you don't come up with uh, 750 million dollars a year from individuals that's their the american heart association is one of the most corrupt groups we have and they've gotten yeah. it wrong on so many things so that's yeah. my 10 10 seconds of take on it
1: but, um, you know, you, you mentioned cholesterol and, um, I, I actually still like checking a standard cholesterol panel, although, um, I check it for different reasons than most other doctors. Um, what I look at it on a standard cholesterol panel is your triglyceride to HDL ratio. Um, I could really care less about the overall cholesterol or even the LDL cholesterol. Um, and so that's a really good marker that the triglyceride to HDL ratio is a really good marker of your overall metabolic health. And so, um, Dr. Nandir Ali who's an interventional cardiologist. He's been on the show last year, um, and he really breaks this down. Um, and And he's uh, very, very intelligent when it comes to to the cholesterol. But um, in a nutshell, if your uh, triglycerides are really low and we want the HDL really high, so if those are close to one one to one ratio, then it doesn't matter at all um, what. Certainly what your overall cholesterol is or, or even the LDL cholesterol. Um, and so when I look at a cholesterol panel, that's what I'm paying attention to. And one of the ways to improve that ratio is to eat more saturated fat because saturated fat uh, raises the HDL. That ratio that you cite one to one,
0: that sounds quite ideal. And one of your other guests, and I may have been that uh, doctor, said that if you should try to get your uh, triglycerides under 150 and your HDL over over 50. So, I mean, I'm sure you're not you don't get one to one ratios. You don't see those very
1: often. I do. I do not see them very often. So, two two to one is really kind of the goal. Um, but if if we're looking at optimization and, and you want to get as, as really good as you possibly can, uh, that one-to-one ratio um, is is fantastic. And, and I will tell you just personally, I just got my labs done a couple of months ago. Um, and my, uh, I'm, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I'm right there at a one-to-one ratio. Matter of fact, at one point, my triglycerides were lower than my HDL. Wow. Uh, and I eat you know, 60, 70% fat you know, the rest, you know, mostly protein, rarely eat vegetables. (laughs) Can can
0: you overdo it when you eat more protein, more protein and less fat is, is protein a problem taxing your kidneys or anything like that? Cause I'm always wondering, I'm eating all these steaks and all this stuff and I'm, I'm hoping I get enough fat. I guess I I should, uh, eat,
1: eat more butter and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, so fat, your, your body, uh, there's so many things in your body that, uh, that rely on fat. And so if you have that fat, a lot of times, I think it's going to help with energy and just make you feel better. It it helps with um, cholesterol is kind of the backbone for the sex hormones and testosterone and all that stuff. And so I think the fat is healthy. Uh, You know, the, the protein I believe is also healthy because it's, we need that to maintain and build muscle Um, and then not to get in the weeds here, but there's this debate about activating the mTOR pathway Uh, and, and so when you eat, when you're eating a lot of protein foods, especially beef and stuff, you're going to be activating that mTOR. Um, and so I think you, you want to take breaks. Um, and, and so I think if you're uh, throwing in some intermittent fasting to kind of slow down that pathway, um, and then on the, especially on the days that you work out you're if you're eating a, a ton of protein, then, um, I I think you're fine. And as we age, then they say your protein requirements actually increase so that you can uh, maintain muscle. And so um, I I think it would be difficult to to your question. I think it would be difficult to overdo the protein.
0: Well, this this is such a pleasure because there's a lot of this stuff that I wasn't clear about and I'm, I'm getting uh, uh, some good answers to my questions. Before we go any further, I don't want to forget to ask this question how many total downloads do you have so far on this wonderful podcast and how many you've got 100 episodes or something don't you uh
1: yeah um you know i don't know what my total is um buzzsprout I, will send you those yeah they they do um you remember I get any prior? anywhere from uh i get anywhere from 500 to oh the most i've gotten is um probably on the more controversial controversial stuff like COVID, uh, I'll get upwards of 1500 downloads per episode. Um, I, I release about four episodes of, you know, a month. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably, probably averaging, uh, you know, say 700 per episode. So it's great. A couple, couple thousand a month, but, you know, so as far as total, boy, I'd have to yeah, go back get math it. on that. So, yeah, no, that's, that's, you're, you're in a
0: top, uh, percent or two of all the podcasts now. And you did it in two years. It's amazing. And it, the, you did it by keeping the quality super high. So oh, appreciate tra- traipsing on to Ben Azadi, he's a family nurse practitioner that lost, um, I don't know what, he went from 250 to 170 pounds doing the carnivore diet. This thing seems to be a specific diet for the morbidly obese.
1: So um, I look at carnivore. Now I like carnivore. I, I think it's a really good way to eat. And certainly um, I think if you're morbidly obese, you could, you can lose weight on carnivore, certainly because you're going to probably be in ketosis um, and you could, you could do regular keto, which uh, is not necessarily strict carnivore and you're going to lose weight. Um, again, I like the carnivore diet. It is very restrictive. And so there's not very many people who are going to be able to adhere to that. Um but uh one thing i tell people i have never seen anything uh in in on the, from the clinical side i've never seen anything do such miraculous things as the carnivore diet specifically as it pertains to autoimmune disease um i've had several people who have been very strict on carnivore and they have completely reversed autoimmune disease. And so I don't, rheumatoid I don't arthritis, that's... rheumatoid arthritis, right. yep.
0: you know, Sorts. Michaela Peterson uh, reversed hers. I don't know whether you've seen that video online about her, but mm-hmm. that, you know, it's uh, Jordan Peterson's daughter and she's in her mid twenties and she, she's got the gift of whatever Jordan has. So what she did was she was having a joint replacements and her ankles and all kinds of crazy stuff. And she went straight cardboard and now she's walking around, doesn't have any problems with inflammatory
1: issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing it's got some amazing testimonials. And again, I don't necessarily think everybody has to do that. Um, I mean, I'm not 100% strict carnivore. um, But I'm also a healthy guy. And, you know, I don't need to. But if I had autoimmune disease, I I would certainly be more strict on it, because I have seen some radical transformations on that. So there, there definitely is something to that. um, You know, the the potential toxicity of plants. And I, I don't think that, uh, again we're all individuals and so i don't think that it bothers everybody that in the same way but certainly those people who are susceptible to autoimmune type diseases uh, a carnivore diet is the most restrictive diet and so you're automatically going to take out all these uh potential allergens and and uh, toxins that the plants give you uh, and and it's a healthy way to go it's so an elimination uh, diet absolutely we, we we should just tell
0: everyone the obvious, which is obvious to anyone that studied this is you can get the keto flu for a couple of weeks when sure. you start these diets. And I had that the first time I did it uh, for I did it for I did ordinary keto for about three months, ate ate fatty nuts and a lot of other stuff in addition to the uh Meat and so on. But recently, a few weeks ago, I started uh, straight carnivore and I had no problems with fatigue or anything else. I Hmm. went off caffeine and we can get to that in a moment. But uh, I felt a little tired from that. Hmm. So good for you. uh, Let's chat about John Jackwist, who Ah. this was my favorite podcast of yours, but there oh, really? are some problems <laughs> with it. There are yeah. some problems with it. So his book is weightlifting is a waste of time. He's a very convincing guy. He's a heck of a salesman. Um, he had a lot of good ideas. I liked he, he studied, he, he cited many studies, including a rat study, that when you eat the same amount and it's all given at one meal a day, you lose weight. But if you have eat ad lib anytime you want, you gain weight. I mean, that's mm-hmm. fascinating material that supports the intermittent fasting or the one meal a day thing. And this guy claims he has gotten up to 240 pounds mm-hmm. uh, just doing his five minute a day workout and, um, and intermittent fasting. And you know, and and the carnivore diet, and so those are the, he claims those are the only three factors. But I have my doubts about that. But let's let's talk uh, about um, about him for a little bit. I don't remember where, whether he was using tourniquets to work out or not. Was he doing that, or was that somebody else?
1: I don't think he was doing bl- uh, blood flow restriction training. Yeah. Um, yeah, is what you're referring to. And I don't believe that he's doing that. Um, but yeah, so he was using these bands that he came up with, and they're not your typical uh, you know bands that you. That you see, you know, at a gym or that people have at their house, uh, he came up with some really thick <clears throat> bands that really increase the resistance. And so, uh, his thought is that. And, and he's got a whole system where you have a little platform and you have a, a bar that hooks onto these bands and that you can do most exercises like bicep curls. Uh, you can, you know, lay down and do a bench press and you can do squats and you can all these things. But, uh, and I don't remember the specific physiology that he went through, but because of, of the, uh, the way the bands work, you're getting not only the, the resistance from, pushing the weight but you're getting that that um the, the, both the concentric and eccentric um, higher and resistance at the area that you're
0: strongest that, that's right that's so right. at the end of the bench press uh for example you have much higher resistance
1: when you're stretching the band all the way out yeah um and so what he will do is he does and the reason he, he will say you can do the workout so quickly is you just do one set to failure so for instance you're doing your curls it's and, really and, to failure and you just do one set to failure um and it's, it's hard. So I have one, um, I have tried it and and it is difficult and your heart rate will really get up. That that's the thing that surprises me by just doing one set, uh, you you know, 20 reps, 20 plus reps. Yeah. So your, your heart rate will really get up. And so it's, it's doing something It's working, uh, now, can you look like him, you know, doing that? I don't know. He's a, he's a big, huge muscular guy. Uh, he eats a lot of meat. Uh, like you mentioned, he, he does that, uh, one meal, one meal a, day. a day and, and he eats a lot. I mean, he'll eat a big old, you know, ribeye steak and I don't remember what else. Uh, he did say that, um, I don't remember if he told me this off the air or on the air, but as after his workout, he'll eat quite a bit of honey just to, uh, get the glucose up to, you know, get nourishment in the, into the muscle. And then other than that, he just, you, you know, eats his meat. Uh, so I, I think that the workout system is, um, it it's got its place, especially for somebody who travels a lot, cause you can fit it in a suitcase. Um, for me personally, I just, you know, I'm kind of more traditional. I like the feel of the barbells. I love lifting yeah. barbells, but, uh, you know, I, I think, I think it, it has its place.
0: So th- this guy has another brilliant idea before we get to the problem, which seems obvious to me. Um, he's got this osteoporosis treatment called OsteoStrong, which mm-hmm. sends vibrations, yeah, heavy duty, low amplitude vibrations into your body from your feet. You stand on this thing. It's it's fairly time-consuming and it's, it's moderately expensive to go into the place, but mm-hmm. you can find those things in LA. And I tell you, if my wife had osteoporosis or I did, I'd probably go over there. It's quite credible. It's a stressor.
1: Um, uh, so yeah, I, I think, mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a fabulous idea. I, I don't have a lot of experience uh, with it. I know, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Tony Robbins, uh, you know, the famous endorses the it, and, endorses it. It yeah. and, and kind of partnered with him, um, as, as you very well know, the um, more traditional treatments that we have for osteoporosis are They're laughable. Oh, they, they really are. And, Except and for so- growth hormone
0: and testosterone, which oh, really sure. work and incre- increase the bone density. Um, but that's another story. But the, th- the thing that's obvious to the bodybuilders about this guy is he's taking every drug in the imaginable and he denies it all, which it, it, the trouble with someone who omits something or lies to you is that to me? They lose all credibility. So I mean, I think this guy's a brilliant marketer, and he's got some ideas that are, are really great. But I don't believe for one minute that he has achieved this physique without a lot of drugs, including growth hormone. And yeah. the the bodybuilding magazines, uh, if I, you know, I don't suppose you read that literature much, but I looked him up, and they all say that it's obvious to them from the appearance of his face that he's been you know, using a lot of growth hormone for a long time. So I, I don't, I don't like the idea that he can't, uh, come clean about this. However, it's a freaking third rail, Greg, people can't come clean about this. So, you know, I mean, I think it's worth looking at this, looking at the podcast. I bought all that junk too. I never got around to using it because I like the gyms. I, you know, I like the yeah. process of going over and fooling around and feeling like I did something. But yeah. the, the idea of the intensity, it's sort of similar to the Metzger brothers' high-intensity workouts, right? When they were working with Arthur, Arthur Jones with the Nautilus machines back in the day, before your time, right? Before your time. I'm, what, I'm 20 years older than you are. You're 48, I'm yeah. Yeah. 68. So we, we used to drive all the way across town to go to these Nautilus machines, and those were purported to have a more resistance in the areas where you were stronger, just like the simple bands do. So, unless you have other uh, comments about uh, this guy, uh, we can dispense with that and go on to the next thing. Yeah. No, we're good. Okay. So the fat fueled family. What a charming story. And, <laughs> you know, they got all their kids. They're trying to get the kids and it's, it's hard to get the kids to do anything sure. you tell them to do. So they were, they were, they understood this whole, um, business that we've been talking about. And uh, do you have any comments about them besides just, I mean, I thought it was a great podcast and I enjoyed listening to the person, although I didn't learn a lot new, new material, new material. your audio just cut off it's, it's off. I don't know what it is. There it is. Now it's back on. Okay. So any comments about um, the fat fueled family?
1: Yeah. So uh, anytime you can include, you know, I have two kids and, and so when you can include your, your kids and teach them the lifestyle, I think that that's a good thing. And I've got another interview coming up, I believe it's next week where I'm talking about a, uh, or talking with a family, and they're pretty much carnivore. And they kind of do similar things, you know, and in, in include their kids. And, and so it, you know, as, as a dad, I will say, uh, it's very difficult to, you know, because kids eat junk food, they eat junk food at school. And so I think what can be learned from that and from them is just to lead by example and then teach your kids, you know, what foods are, are actually healthy and what foods aren't. You know, I was I was real proud of my son a couple of years ago, and he's now a freshman, um, but he was in junior high, I think, at the time. And he was eating lunch with his friends and uh, uh, a friend of his was eating. Uh, I think it was baked Lay's and uh they were they were in a kind of a, a friendly argument that these baked lays were healthy because on the package it said fat free and that they were baked and that, that they were therefore heart healthy and so uh my son was was arguing because he'd heard it from us that no those are not healthy for you i don't care what it says on the package you know and so anyway it, it that was a kind of a proud moment for me because i thought okay you know what he's He's getting it like he's hearing a little bit about what we're preaching and he's sharing that with his friends. And so uh, my hope is that when they leave the house, if nothing else, you know, they know what's healthy and they know what's not. And if they you know, choose to not eat healthy, you know, that's on them. But at least they're they're educated. And so that's kind of what I what I took from them from them. So so
0: you know, again, I'm Winnie the Pooh and I have to go around three or four times before I figure things out. And I didn't understand until fairly recently that the FDA actually was regulating the food industry as well, as well as the drugs. I understood how bad they were for the drugs. But uh, when I listened to the podcast about um, Dietitian's Dilemma by Michelle Hearn, Mm -hmm. um, who had wonderful results on the carnivore diet. She had a lot of problems and then she, uh, she was basically falling apart. And somehow she got onto the, onto this elimination diet with just meat. And she, I, I mean, her, her turnaround
1: was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so, and what, and what's great about that story is she's a little bit different than most people. Uh, she's a, a ultra marathoner, not just a marathoner, but an ultra marathoner. So she's running, you know, doing 50 mile, 60 mile, I don't know, I don't know exactly what their uh, distance is. So she's primarily eating meat and running, you know, 50 miles. And so I think that's pretty phenomenal. Her book, The Dietitian's Dilemma also
0: exposes how the FDA had come up with these things at the behest of the food industry. I mean, it's, it's an outrageous uh, thing that these uh, regulatory agencies are are basically turned have turned against us and are only shilling for these economic, uh, interests. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and she's has a kind of a new practice where she tries to, she, you know, they would stop paying her when she's in a hospital because she won't shill for the old, uh, the old paradigm. So they yeah. stopped paying
1: her. So she had to develop a new,
0: new profession. Yeah,
1: and if you don't, if you don't think like, uh, they do, then, you know, you're, you're going to be, uh, Hushed up or gotten rid of, and and I don't know if we want to open the door to COVID, but COVID is a great example of that. That you know, if you if you don't agree with us, then you know you're you're a quack. Get out of here, you know, kind of thing. And then they call that science. They don't they won't even debate it. They're like, well, if you don't agree with this narrative, then you know, get out. It's the sickest thing I've ever seen in my lifetime.
0: Uh, So um, on to Philip of Ovidita, uh, who is a physician who wrote a book called stay off my operating table. Um, Oh yeah. He lost a lot of weight too. And he lost a hundred pounds or something plus, and he's kept it off. Um, he corrected his own pre-diabetes and
1: was he uh, a keto or was he a pure carnivore? I think he is a carnivore. Uh, He's pretty close to carnivore. Yep. And he is a cardiothoracic surgeon. Um, and, and so that, that is very telling in and of itself that, I mean, if this, if saturated fats and meats were, were bad for your heart here, you have a, a, you know, cardiothoracic surgeon who is, is eating this way. So
0: the vast majority of those surgeries are statistically don't help. And the only, the only one that helps is when they do a plumbing around the, uh, the left main, which is the artery from which the other two, Uh, main arteries spring and when they plumb around that two centimeter segment they get a 20 percent improvement in mortality at five years and that's the entire benefit of all coronary artery bypass surgeries i mean it's a ridiculous thing and i mean the untold billions are spent on this there's a very similar story about angioplasty which basically i'm convinced that doesn't work at all and it's primarily done in people with stable problems and it Mm -hmm. definitely doesn't work for them Yeah. yeah so um can you just briefly address magnesium because i you know do you really believe that topical magnesium works i mean you had a guest on advocating that and i've heard this before and of course you look at wikipedia which is completely ruined uh and they they claim topical magnesium is uh spreading untruth or something like that i mean
1: who knows can you tell well I think you absorb some because, um, you know, Epsom salt is basically magnesium. So when you take an Epsom salt bath and, and I mean, it tends to relax your muscles and now how much magnesium you're absorbing transdermally, I don't know. And it's, it's difficult. Uh, it would be difficult to check, you know, magnesium is not something like vitamin D level that we can just check because 95%, I believe of your magnesium is intracellular. So when we do a serum, um, uh, you know, just magnesium level, it's, you know, we're, we're looking at a very small fraction of the overall magnesium in the body. And so I, I don't think that it's very accurate. And there's some other things out there, you know, red blood cell magnesium and stuff, but I, I don't know how accurate those are. And so, um, you know, magnesium, definitely can be absorbed orally. That's the way I take it. I do believe that most people are deficient in magnesium. And so I I, matter of fact, it's one of my top two supplements that I recommend people taking when people ask me about supplements, vitamin D and magnesium are right there at the top of the list. And so whether you take it orally, whether you you take it transdermally, you know, I I don't know that it matters, but I, I do believe most people should be on some type of a magnesium supplement.
0: How much? And what is it three and eight or one of those oddball
1: ones or what do you do? Well, so there, there's a, there's a bunch of different ones out there. Um, the one I like is glycinate um, glycinate um, three and eight is a good one as well. Um, and, and so both of those um, are very well absorbed. Shouldn't give you any GI problems because, you know, if you get too much magnesium um, of course, certain types of magnesium or, you know, serve as a laxative. Uh, and, and so I personally like glycinate and I take 400 milligrams Um, two to two to 400 milligrams at night before I go to bed. And and really do believe that it helps me sleep a little bit better. What about taking a tablespoon of uh, magnesium sulfate
0: that certainly be cheaper, but maybe that'd give you the diarrhea instantly. I mean, you got generally, you have to drink the whole little bottle of that stuff to cause yourself a lot of problems.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're going to, I don't know how much of that you're going to absorb, uh, you know, one, one person, I can't remember who it was, if it was on a podcast or somewhere I just read said that the way that, you know, how much magnesium you need is just to keep going up on it. And then when you start getting diarrhea, then back off a little bit and that's your dose. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. So, uh, and then we finally have uh,
0: Chaffee, the neurosurgeon, plants are yeah. trying to kill you. And yeah. I, I thought that guy was charming. He's younger than we are. So he may get results that are better than ours just because of his age. But he was convinced that when he ate so much as a strawberry, he'd be sore after his workouts. Yeah. I mean, I, I, exaggerate a little bit, but if he ate a few grapes or whatever it was, any carbohydrates. And so he was a straight uh, carnivore and straight he, carnivore. Yeah. he was also convinced that caffeine, a cup of coffee would throw him off for three weeks. So do you have any comments about caffeine being inflammatory or, or, uh, this guy, or, I mean, he, he's quite credible. He's a neurosurgery resident.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So really liked him. Um, he, you know, is, is a very fit guy. Of course he was a professional rugby player. So probably has some good genetics in there. Um, but, uh, just, you know, like you said, very credible, really believes that plants have these. Uh, these toxins, from you know, kind of an evolutionary standpoint, because they don't have four legs to run away, that they develop these toxins so that they wouldn't get eaten, and so that when we eat plants, uh, it, it's going to have potentially some sort of a you know deleterious effect. And and you know, he uses himself that when he eats plants, he's just not at not on his you know uh, you know top game and not as strong, doesn't feel feel as good you know as far as the coffee thing i I guess if you're doing strict carnivore then yeah you're going to stay away from coffee because it it's a it's obviously you have the coffee bean you know i i don't know about that i mean i've heard also or seen so many reports that coffee is is good for you and has good health benefits um i can tell you from me personally, like I'm, I, I'm a coffee drinker. I drink it black. I don't put anything in it. Um, but even if I were going to do strict carnivore, which I'm, I'm probably 80%, you know, animal meat. And then, and everything else is just kind of accessories, which I, I believe is the way it, it should be. I don't, I don't think our ancestors, ate mostly a plant-based diet and then had a little bit of meat on the side. I think it was probably the, you know, the other way around. They got fruits and vegetables when they, when they could. And and so that's kind of the way I do it. But I, I love my coffee. I love the taste of coffee. Um, so for me personally, I'm going to drink my coffee. I, I, I think it goes back to being an individual. Everybody's an individual and and what works for you? I mean, if, if coffee, like for him, coffee seemed to mess him up. Well, I mean, he probably needs to stop drinking it. I mean, if, if people do fine with coffee, then I think coffee's okay. Uh, now also I will say that, you know, you can overdo anything, uh, even things that are good for you. You can obviously overdo it. So if you're drinking, you know, two pots of coffee a day, well, I mean, that's probably not good either. Okay. Well, Greg, you, how do you find the time?
0: You're a CrossFit coach you're doing your bodybuilding, you have a busy practice, you've got your kids and your family and your wife. Um,
1: how do you uh, fit it all together? Well, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so the bodybuilding thing, that was just kind of a bucket list thing that I did back in the summer. Um, I wanted to see it at my kind of older age, if I could get down really low body fat. And, and I had a coach that kind of helped me and um, did a little physique just a little physique competition. So I saw your it, photographs. Yeah. So it, it was fun. It was a, it was a unique experience. Again, I, I don't think I'll ever do it again, just kind of a bucket list thing. And so now I just work out because I, I love it. Um, I had got certified as a CrossFit coach a little over a year ago, never did anything with it. Matter of fact, I quit doing CrossFit for about a year and, uh, uh the staff, uh, our girls came to me, Um, towards the end of last year and they said hey we want to get in shape we want we want you to help us and so I coordinated with the owner of the gym to kind of give our clinic its own little slot and and so I said hey I'll coach him and so uh, we have a little slot just for our clinic and so I coach him just three days a week so we get up early and on those three days and and do that before the clinic starts and and so that's just when we the, the the time that uh you know, we carve out for that. And then sometimes I do a few things extra when I have time, you know, we go to clinic during the day. Um, I schedule, I schedule podcasts just, you know, when I can, Uh, you know, usually they're in the, the kind of the late afternoon, early evenings. Um, I, I, you know, it's all stuff that I love. Uh, You know, I think it would be different if I just um, you know, hated doing it. I mean, I, I like getting up every day. I, I love, uh, training our staff. I love, you know, pushing myself physically in something like CrossFit and I love staying fit. Um, I, I love the podcast, you know, sometimes the podcast can get overwhelming because I have to go back and edit my shows and, and, and every now and then I'll think, gosh, why am I doing this? Uh, but then I'll get a, uh, you know, a great guest on like yourself or some of these others that just energize me. And I think, Oh yeah, I I like this. This is why I do it. And so um, it's, it's all just stuff that I like. And, and so I think that's how I fit it all in is it's just things that I enjoy. Yeah.
0: The real bodybuilders from what I read in the bodybuilding magazines, not literature, the drugs are the most important thing. The second most important thing is the exercise. And the third most important thing by far down the list is the food and you can mm-hmm. eat almost anything you want as long as you eat enough if you're on the right drugs. So I yeah. don't think that's a very healthy uh, lifestyle at all. I yeah, mean, it's a great thing is too much of a good thing. Is, uh, a good thing. Yeah. So, well, G- Greg, just tell us uh, the name of your website and so on.
1: Yeah, so I've got a, kind of a couple. So our clinic is Vibrant Life DC, which stands for direct care, vibrantlifedc.com. Um, you can find out a little bit more about our clinic and what we do on there. Um, also, my uh, there's a link to my podcast on there. And then you can also find uh, the podcast on um, uh, drgregdennis.com. Uh, the podcaster are on there. And uh, again, you mentioned it earlier, the podcast is FitRx, F-I-T-R-X.
0: Greg, thank you so
1: much for your time. And
0: uh, I think you have to get on to your next podcast. Um, oh, my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. Okay. Bye. All right. Take care.